Hey, good morning, Victory. How you doing? Come on, put your hands together. Welcome, welcome, as Brian said, to our one service this Sunday, and it's just for this Sunday, so don't get happy. Uh, be ready to be able to have 9 and 10.30 back next Sunday. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church, and if you are visiting with us today, uh, you chose a random day to visit, but welcome. So glad that you are here, uh, and we do want to do everything we can to get you connected. Um, just a couple of things before we get into the message today. First of all, I want to bring attention to the fact that last, I believe it was November, if I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we had our very first Dreamies, all right? So our Dreamies is our award ceremony for all of our Dream Team. When, when you arrived here from the parking lot, we had team members in the parking lot uh, flame throwing the ice, just so you know, because that's how we roll around here. Uh, we, we will, we will you know, never mind. All right, so we'll do whatever we can to get you in the church, uh, all the way from our greeters, our coffee that's out there, to our V Kids worship production, all across the board. This church is what it is because of our dream teamers, and we know it. Come on, let's put our hands together for all of our dream team members. And so, uh, so it's so much fun in the Dreamies to have that time where we can honor them and love on them and celebrate them. And, and at every Dreamies, or at least this was our first one, so from now on, everyone, we have a special gift for our Dreamies. And so we got to talking afterwards, and we said, you know what, as our church is growing with two services, uh, talking about the potential of three or, or something down the road, more and more people are, are maybe not knowing each other. And so as people are joining our Dream Team and they begin to serve, once they we need to highlight them. We need to have a moment where we show the church who's joining the dream team so they will know and all that. So after that dream is we, we put together kind of a process where every quarter or so we will highlight the dream team members who have actually begun to serve. Now, some have graduated growth track, but they haven't started serving yet, but the ones who have actually served. And then after we acknowledge them, they'll be able to go out and get their gift that we gave out at the dreamies the prior year because they weren't here. And then every year there'll be a new gift and it kind of goes from there. And so we're taking this Sunday take a moment. We've got, I believe it's uh, five brand new Dream Team members. Come on, put your hands together. So you've got Emily and Daniel who have started in First Impressions. So when you came in, you've got a pretty face and you've got Thor sitting right there just welcoming you as you come in. So Emily and Daniel joined our First Impressions and then Anita and then Trent and Mary joined our V Kids. Come on, aren't you excited about that? Uh, uh, as Brian even kind of alluded to real quick, there is nothing more valuable at this church than our V kids to dream teamers, right? Am I right? And to be able to join us. So again, just want to take that second. Thank you, Emily, Daniel, Anita, Trent, Mary. Thank you so much for joining the team. It's because of you and many dream teamers like you that we're able to come in here on a Sunday and, and create the perfect environment for people to experience the presence of God. And so thank you. Uh, we celebrate those dream team members. Don't forget to get your gift before you leave today. And as Brian said, there's growth track today. So if you're sitting in here and you're not on a dream team yet, or you've been wanting to be, or maybe it's your first time here, do us a favor, go through growth track, join a dream team. I'll tell you, it'll change your life. Uh, in case you've never noticed, we don't do membership here as you maybe you were raised up in churches that did membership. Nothing against it. We just don't do it that way. Uh, instead, we, we do more of a family system where as you go through growth track and join a dream team, you become a part of the family. And then through small groups and dream team and all the things that we have, you, you find your circle, you find your connection and so on. So I really want to encourage you to do that. Amen? Amen. We began a series at the beginning of this year called Greater, and we also said that greater was our word for the year. Every year we take a word and we really kind of allow it to set the tone for what we believe God's going to do. Um, and it just kind of, it, it can be very vague in the aspect of where you are in your life and what greater means to you. Greater may mean something different to me 
to my family than it does to you. But today we're going to bring it to a close. The first Sunday we talked about how the very first step to greater was greater Bible engagement. And we set the tone for our entire year that we were going to try to have a greater Bible engagement across the board in our church and in our homes. And we're going to continue to talk about that. And then week two, last week, we talked about the enemies of greater and how our flesh, our pride, and our compromise can get in the way of that. And today we are going to bring this whole series to a close, wrap it up with a bow. We're going to kind of put some action steps to what we're asking God for, and then get ready next week for a new series. And so I want to tell you real quick about next week's series, because I want you to come back, and I want you to invite somebody to bring with you. In the book of Joshua, chapter 24, Joshua says at one point, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That sounds so great. You've probably seen it on people's uh, walls, some kind of cute Hobby Lobby sign, right? Uh, it's a great aspect, maybe crocheted on a pillow. But what does it mean, right? Like how, and here's a better question. How do we do it? How, how do we actually live in this culture and in this life with a house that serves God. And so whether you are a young person who's at home try, getting ready to, to go into school, you know, college, whether you're, you're getting ready in high school, whether you're a single adult, you know, starting your career, whether you are married, whether you have kids or don't have kids, whether you're divorced, whether the kids empty nesters, whatever season of life that you're in, we're going to dive deep into that concept of how can you and I have a home that serves God. And I'm just really excited about it as we kind of go deeper into that idea of, of taking what we're learning here into our homes and making sure that the 9 o'clock or 1030 hour is not the only hour that's getting Jesus representation in our lives. Amen? Amen. And so I encourage you to be here next week. Invite somebody. It's going to be a great, great kickoff to a brand new series. Uh, one thing that we didn't celebrate just because we were a little bit distracted with the snow, but today is our official sixth birthday as a church. Come on. <laughs> We are six years old, and uh, Friday night we gathered with our staff and directors, and we just had a great time celebrating and praying together, and I'm so, so beyond blessed by what God's done in our church, and I really do believe that this year is going to be the greatest year yet, and so it's going to be an atmosphere like this uh, that continues where people are hungry for God, and I'm so excited to see what he does this year. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4. Your paper Bibles, just kind of put a finger there, 2 Kings chapter 4. It'll be after 1 Kings uh, in the Old Testament. If you're following on your phone, you can just kind of search that second, number two, Kings. If you don't want to do any of that, it'll be on the screen behind me. But this is going to be the text that the majority of the sermon comes out of. So just kind of put a, put a point there, saving point there. In the meantime, as you're turning, I'm going to read our verse for the year, Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 to 8, that say, be careful to obey all of the law that my servant Moses gave you. Now, this is talking in returns to the Bible. At the time, it was the first five books of the Bible. And you take this verse and you apply it to our lives now, understanding the entire scripture. So you could say, be careful to obey all that the scriptures, all of the scriptures that God gave us is how you could read that for your life. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Or you may, so that you may be successful wherever you go. So therefore, we're going to experience greater. We're going to be blessed, as James says. He goes on to say, keep this book of the law, keep the scriptures always on your lips. Memorize them. He goes on to say, meditate on it day and night. Have these scriptures in your spirit, in your soul, so that they're with you every day, so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. And then, as a result, everybody say it with me, you will be there we go. You will be prosperous and successful. James calls us blessed, and we are summing it up in the word 
greater. And today, as we bring this series to a close, I want to talk to you real quick about this, our response to greater, how you and I respond to the opportunity of God doing something greater in our life. Last Sunday and throughout the message, I was talking about a couple of things, and I mentioned a few times the Devo time that me and my wife and our kids had, and I talked a little bit about the memory uh, memorization, the, the Bible memorization, and, and just how incredible it was. And uh, we got in the car to leave, and, and Darla looked at me, and she said, you know what? If you're going to tell all the good stuff that happened, you're going to have to be real and tell them about the times that weren't so good. You know what I mean? Because if you're not careful, I can tell stories like that, and you leave here going, wow, their kids just sit at the table all preciously quoting scripture. How do we have a house like theirs? That's not what our house looks like, all right? Just let you be Monday night, it was amazing. We were memorizing verses. We were saying loving things, and then we were just like holding hands and floating. You know, it was all these different things. <laughs> By the end of the week, y'all, they, we, they, the kids were fighting and yelling at each other over scripture. I'm like, you can't, how can you fight over God? I don't even know how that makes sense. Like Veda doesn't want to be there. We're telling her to put her phone down. Like, at, like literally at the beginning of the week, we loved each other. We were all quoting scripture. By the end of the week, we wanted to kill each other. It just is what it is. And any of you that have kill, children, you would, kill children. any of you that have children, you would say a great amen. You've been there. So I just wanted you, you know, I just wanted you to understand, I wanted to be real with you, and, and here's, here's the ultimate understanding, that greater is not an automatic permanent position. That when you and I reach greater, we're not just there. You know what I mean? It's not like, all right, we, we did this, and now things are just going to be great. Greater is an intentional daily decision. When you wake up in the morning, this greater walk the Lord is a daily decision. Am I going to read my word this morning? You're picking up your cross daily. It's, it's a daily decision. I want my, my relationships to be healthy, so I need to communicate right, and I need to be respectful and have grace and have mercy. That's a daily decision. I'm going to work hard at my job and, 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 and be, and so that I can get into a place of possible promotion. That's a daily decision. I'm going to budget well so that my finances are greater. That's a daily decision. Decision. So in this idea of greater and the fact that we are, in fact, believing for greater this year and we're going to move forward, I don't want you to get it twisted. I don't want you to think that, that just because we assigned greater to it or even because we feel like we arrived that we're just there now, we can just stop. It's not how it works. It is a constant daily decision. And pursuing God's greater plan for our life, watch this, can be both exhilarating and it can be exhausting. Again, I, I, as your pastor, I've never wanted you to walk out of here believing in a false concept. Never wanted you to think that following Jesus is just this process of walking through sunflowers and roses and daisies. Like, life is real. Life is hard. But when we follow Jesus, we don't do it alone. And so while it might be exhilarating in certain moments, it'll be exhausting in others. Because why? Some days are better than others. Some days it's real easy to be nice to your spouse, Right? Some days it's real easy to just love your kids. Some days it's real easy to love your job. Some days it's real easy to look at the end of the day and go, wow, we did good financially. Some days are easier than others. Some days it's easier to read your Bible. It's easier to set aside time to pray. Some days are easier than others. And while some days are exhilarating, some days are exhausting because some days we feel like we succeed, but some days we feel like we fail. And this morning, what I want us to understand is that 
we are standing at the crossroads to greater. If you imagine a crossroads, there, there are two paths for everyone in this room. We can go one way where we are pursuing God's greater plan for our life this year, or we can uh, avoid that direction and go a different direction where we are settling for what I said the first week, good enough. What we've always done. And here's what I'm learning about life, and I think you'll agree with me, is that there really is no concept in which you and I just remain. We are either moving ahead and getting better, or we are slowly getting worse. If you think about our health, we're either working on it in a way that it's getting better or it's slowly getting worse. There is no, our marriage, our relationship with our kids, our finances, our careers, our dreams, there is no real concept where you and I can just kind of stay stagnant and just remain. We're doing one or the other. And so we're standing at a crossroads. And so today when you walked in, I gave you a card. And at the end of this service, I'm going to ask you to write on that card what you are asking God to do greater in your life in 2024. And then I'm going to ask you to get up and bring that card down here. And then we're going to take that card at some point and we're going to display it in the lobby for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want us to see it every day for the rest of this year. It's something I want us to be able to pray over. It's something that as people come and join the church over the next few months, they're able to, to, to uh, write on a card and add it to it. And my hope is at the end of the year, we'll be able to rejoice at all of the great things God did in our life, which means when it comes time to you to write it, you need to be vague enough that it can be out in the lobby, but you need to be specific enough that God knows what you're talking about. And I'm prepping you now. There's not a person in here that doesn't get to participate in this. I will stand at that door. <laughs> but you can write it. I'm not asking you to put your business out there. But I'm asking you to write something down. I've already filled my notes in my pocket, and I wrote it down in a way that it may not mean anything to you, but God knows exactly what I'm asking for. Amen? But before we get to that, I want to talk about the two potential responses that, you, that can get in the way of us receiving what God has greater for our life in 2024. And I believe it because of this, because greater plans bring greater fears. Whenever we believe for greater Attached to the belief of greater is greater fear. Attached to the idea of greater faith is greater fear. And that brings me to 2 Kings chapter 4. In order for me to explain this to you, i got to give you a little bit of context of the story because we're not going to read the whole thing, but I do encourage you to read it starting at verse 8 on your own. There, the whole 2 Kings is in a phenomenal couple of stories, but 2 Kings chapter 8 starts the story that you may have heard of before rephrased or referred to as this, the Shunammite woman. Now, that, that word is obviously not a word you might be familiar with. It just means she was from Shunem. All right, so she's the Shunemite woman is who she is. She's a wealthy woman. And the Bible says back in the day, what would happen is, is very similar today, but a little bit different. God would speak through prophets. And so certain people would come into, you know, the town or the city, and they believed to be used by God. And so their actions and their words were, you know, that, that was straight from God. So a pastor might be a modern-day prophet, Right? But, but because of the Holy Spirit, God is in us, which is mean you don't need me. You can experience all of God without me. I'm just kind of the icing on top, all right? But, but back then, there were prophets, and so it was this idea of, like, you were the word of the Lord. And so this prophet by the name of Elijah is coming through their town, and every time he'd come through the town, this lady would allow him to come in and eat. And so this happened frequently, and she tells her husband, 
She says, I believe this is a man of God, and I think we need to do something for him. So they decide to build a house onto their, I'm sorry, a room onto their house for Elijah, for him to stay. So he shows up, and they say, you know, surprise, total, you know, total makeover. We got you a room. Hope you enjoy it with a bed and a mirror and the whole deal. And so then there's just this move on the heart of Elijah, and obviously uh, being influenced by the Spirit of God, Elijah says, I want to do something for her. She's done something for God, and I want to do something for her. You know, the Bible says you build his house, he'll build yours. When, when, when we move into a realm of I want to give my life to God, God then wants to turn around and do something for us. He wants to move you and I into a greater realm. And that's what was happening in 2 Kings chapter 4. Elijah said, God wants to do something for her. So he talks to his right-hand man, his assistant, and he says, go and find out from her what it is we can do. Well, she doesn't give him an answer. So then Elijah and, and uh, his assistant start to talk, Gehazi, and they say, you know what? We notice that she doesn't have a child. Her husband is older. And that time, obviously, even in our culture today, it can be a very negative experience if you cannot have children and you want to have children. In that day, there was a stigma attached to it. So it wasn't just the physical, uh, you know, emotional aspect of it, but it was also a stigma, like maybe that God had cursed you or God didn't want to bless you. So all of this is in her life. So they recognize this about her. And so what he's going to do is to her that in a year from now, you're going to have a child. So he's inviting her, listen to me, into greater. That makes sense? God is inviting the Shunammite woman into a greater plan for her life. And she responds at first in two ways that I think if we're not careful, you and I will respond in even today when we start thinking about God doing greater in our life. Number one is this, we can respond with a fear of change. That our natural response to the idea that God is going to do something great in our life is a response of fear, and it's a fear of change. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 13, this is when uh, they first speak to the woman, and they're trying to figure out, can we do something for you? What is it we can do for you? You have done this for God. What is it we can do for you? Watch this. Uh, 2 Kings 4, 13 says, Elijah said to him, to his assistant, tell her that you've gone to all of this trouble for us. You've done all of this for God. Now what can be done for you? Listen, this is the heart of God, y'all. If you've been taught anything else about the heart of God, it's wrong. God wants to do for you. Now, he does not want to do for you something that he knows long-term is bad for you, but he wants to do greater in your life. And once you start to understand it and believe it, you will hear the presence of God asking. He's asking you today, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Then they give some examples. Could we speak on behalf of the king or speak on your behalf to the king or maybe to the commander of the army? Can we talk you up? You know what I mean? Can we, can we add some people to your Rolodex? What, what can we do to thank you for what you've done? And she replies and catch this. No, thank you. I have a home among my own people. That's a modern day way of saying, hey, I'm blessed. I got a home I got, I got food to eat. Y'all heard, I, got, I got shelter over my head. I'm breathing. I'm blessed. There's nothing wrong with saying that. That's a great way of understanding that you are content with what God's done in your life. But listen to me. Sometimes it becomes an excuse because we like the comfort level that we're in. And what she could have been saying is, no, thank you. I'm comfortable where I am. And that it's possible that God's wanting to do something greater in your life, but you're just comfortable where you are. Let me tell you one of the greatest secrets 
when it comes to you and I moving in and to embracing greater in our life. You ready? Here's one of the greatest secret secrets that you are now about to realize and have to get used to, that in order for you to experience the greater plans that God has for your life, you are going to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Some of y'all are like, it's time to go, baby. Get your purse. I knew we shouldn't have got out in the snow. You are going to have to be, this is is literally a textbook understanding of God moving in your life. Can I tell you the pattern of our life? God moves us out of comfort, and then we get comfortable. And then God has to somehow drag us out of comfort again, and then we get comfortable. And God's saying, you are are stopping and resting, or or you you are putting up tents in rest areas. Like, we got to keep on moving to better and to greater. He's God. He's never stopped getting great. He he is the the, the epitome of greatness. He's not going to let us settle. He wants us to experience greater. And so for us to experience greater, we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. If you're comfortable right now, I would challenge you that it's possible that God's been asking you to move and to do something greater. If you've been comfortable for a long time, it's possible that God's been calling you out. But watch this. The fear of losing comfort is so powerful that it's powerful enough to keep us from experiencing greater. That whether we know it or not, I think sometimes we know it, and sometimes we don't. We sacrifice the idea of something better, something greater, simply because of how much we love our comfort. So watch this. We create excuses that seem legitimate enough so that we can return to our comfort zone. We don't want to be uncomfortable, so we come up with these excuses that are justifiable, that make sense, so that we can remain where we are. Now, I know you won't be honest about yourself, but I'll I'll talk about me. I am the best at coming up with excuses when I don't want to do something, okay? I, I can come up with some, like, it runs in my family. It's in our blood. I mean, we, we dig deep. You know what I mean? We're, we're coming with, like, like, and this happens all the time because Darla, just so y'all know a little bit about me and Darla, Darla is, like, she likes to be out and do stuff. I like to be on the couch under a blanket. That, that's our kind of life. So when we're doing date nights and stuff, my idea of a date night is go to the closest restaurant to our house. You know what I mean? I don't care if it's a McDonald's, just it's close. We can hurry up and get back and get in sweats and house shoes. You know, we don't need to be out long. She wants to go downtown and explore. We are completely different. I I don't do downtown. There's a couple of reasons I don't don't do downtown. I've shared some of y'all this before. My number one frustration is this. It's crowded. It's busy. There's a lot of people. I'm not a big people fan. You know what I mean? (laughs) I love you, but not them. You know what I mean? But here's here's what really chaps my hide if we're going back to that you have to pay for parking. That's unbiblical. I'm paying to get here, $5 a gallon. I'm paying for your food. I'm paying to get it. I should not have to pay to park. You know what I mean? Somebody get the mayor on the phone. Let's talk about this. I, now, I, have, I have, you know, I can make stuff move now. So I just, I just don't want to do it. So sure enough, it comes time for a date night. And I was like, where you want to go? And I'm like, I don't know, McDonald's by the house, you know? She's like, let's go downtown and da 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 And I don't want to go. I'm already thinking about I'm going to spend 20 bucks to park, just to park, right? So I start coming up with excuses, y'all, and I'm telling you, I'm good. I'm like, babe, you know, Nashville traffic is crazy. She's like, babe, it's a Tuesday afternoon. 
Like, well, here's the problem. You know, I mean, we ain't going to be able to find nowhere to park. Well, they have paid parking, so it's automatically there, babe. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. What you're, but the food's expensive. You know what I mean? I can just keep on going. And she'll just say, I gotta, we got a gift card, babe. Well, but a gift card may not work. You know what I mean? Like, I can just excuse after excuse after excuse because I don't want to get out of my comfort zone, so I can just throw those excuses. It's, I'm good at it. And I'm learning that it's, it's coming through me into my children because now my kids, they're, they're acing it. They're better than me. Casey Ray is the best. This, this is an actual moment that happened in my house, okay? Casey Ray, after hours of running through our house and doing ninja moves and jumping on beds and couches and running upstairs and sliding downstairs, she's now upstairs and it's time to go to bed, but she has to come downstairs to brush her teeth. And this is an exact conversation in my house. Hey, babe, you need to brush your teeth and get ready for bed. Come downstairs. I don't want to come downstairs. Do you have to? Your toothbrush is downstairs. Ah! What's wrong? My legs hurt. <laughs> Sweetheart, I just saw you moments ago ninja jump from the floor to my bed, but they're not working right now. <laughs> Honest story. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, the excuses are crazy. And you and I can do it too. We laugh, away, but we're there. Sometimes, sometimes I'm worse than Casey Ray, but babe, my legs don't work. You know what I mean? I wonder how many times God is calling us to greater, but we're like, ah, my legs are tired. <laughs> you see, when our routine brings us comfort, watch this, we're afraid to leave that routine even when we hate it. Isn't that crazy? Some of us are doing things that we hate, but they're comfortable. Some of it, we're, we're so mad at our eating routine, but it's comfortable. We're so unhappy with our marriage situation, but, but it's comfortable. We, we want to we have a greater relationship with God, but the season we're in is just, it's just, it's comfortable. And so some of us will make excuses to stay in routines, even when we hate the routine. Or worse, watch this, when God is calling us out of it. We'll stay in it, even though God is calling us out of it. Truth is that in order for us to experience greater, we're going to have to get uncomfortable. In order for you to experience greater, you may have to wake up earlier. In order for you to experience greater, you may have to spend less. In order for you to experience greater, you may have to communicate more. You may have to forgive that person you don't want to forgive. You may have to humble yourself and admit that you were wrong. You may have to make sacrifices that you don't want to make, but I'm telling you, on the other side of uncomfortable is greater. I felt this in my spirit so heavy this morning as I was praying that attached to every great thing God has for you is a level of discomfort. As we stand here today, this building is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to our church in the six years that we've been alive. If you weren't with us every Friday night when we set up and tore down, you wouldn't understand that. But it's, not only do we celebrate it for that, not only, uh, there were a hundred people in here Tuesday praying for the unborn because they were going to do it outside, but they couldn't. So we were allowed to say, come into our building and do it. It's a gift from God. 
the influence we're having in Antioch, how many people who are in here because they live minutes away from this church, it's a blessing of God. But did you know that there was a moment where I'm looking at the contract and I'm looking at how much we paid monthly for the school and I'm looking at how much we're going to have to pay monthly for this building? And I hate to tell you this, it was uncomfortable. Because when you're paying $1,100 a month, it doesn't matter if the giving goes like this. Right? Because you're not paying. But when you move into eight, nine thousand dollars a month, now all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, where is that money coming from? And here's what I'm learning: that attached to every great thing God wants to do in my life is discomfort. Because for me to go from here to here meant that at some point I had to be uncomfortable. Now God's been faithful and provide, and I believe He does every time. But the question is not, will I be stable when I get here? The question is, how uncomfortable is this step I got to take? And if I'm willing to let go of the comfort, I can then move myself into the greater that God has for my life. And so right now, let the Spirit of God speak to you. If that's you and you have found yourself in a routine that is comfortable and you're hanging on to where you are because it's comfortable and you're in this situation because it's comfortable, but you know inside you want greater, I hear the Spirit of God tell you it's time for you to let yourself get uncomfortable. So number one is the fear of change. Number two is this. The fear of a letdown. Watch this. 2 Kings chapter 4. This is so good. Let's go back. Verse 16 this time. Elijah goes on to tell this lady, God says, you're going to have a kid this time next year. Oh, that's what he's going to say. About this time next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. Now watch this. We would assume her response would be one of joy. Oh, thank you. Thank you, prophet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thank you. Watch her response. No. No, Melissa, some of us do. I'm pregnant. No! No, my Lord. But her reasoning was different. Watch this. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, watch this. Don't mislead your servant. Here's what she's saying, y'all. God, don't get my hopes up. Because we've had a lot of doctors... We've had a lot of people who mean well tell me that this is going to work, and I've believed many, many times before, and every time it didn't work. So that whole greater thing sounds cute for you and for you, and yay, Troy, you preach it, but I'm telling you right now, I'm not stepping into that because I don't want to get my hopes up. The truth, the truth is this, y'all, that in a journey toward greater, it's marked with setbacks and suffering. In order for you to pursue greater in your life, you are going to go through setbacks and suffering. And sometimes while you and I are waiting for greater, our situation gets worse. Sometimes when you're praying for them to be healed, they pass away. Sometimes when you're praying that you get a job, you don't get the job. Sometimes when you're praying that this relationship, you know, starts to, to get better and find more health, it, it, as you're taking two steps forward, you're taking one step back. As soon as you start to think you're making strides, and whatever that situation, as soon as you start to save up a little money and you're good financially, all of a sudden your car won't start. You know what I mean? Because sometimes in the process of getting to greater, things get worse. It just happens. 
I had somebody tell me once that when they saw this concept greater, they thought it might be a prosperity series. I believe that God is all about a life that prospers. In fact, I believe that as he directs our life, it's a life that will prosper. But he does not say that there won't be moments of setbacks and suffering in the process. We're going to get there. He's going to finish what he started. But it may be a bumpy road to get there. Watch this. When you and I persevere on the road to greater, and oh, this is going to set some of you free, and at the same time, it's going to really just kind of pierce some of your hearts. As we persevere on the road to greater, we will find ourselves, watch this, baffled by God's faithfulness, but also sometimes dumbfounded by his restraint during our time of need. When your life is over and you look back on this entire road of greater, you will see that there were moments where you were baffled by God's faithfulness. God, you're so good. You got us through 2020. You provided a building. We're going to two services. You filled up two services. We didn't even have to dip into our savings to pay rent. Now we're talking about three. God, you're so good. Your faithfulness. But then there's also moments where you will be dumbfounded by, well, God, why didn't you do this? I asked, and, and why didn't you do that? Listen, I always tried to lay myself out to you and be an example for you as your pastor. And I'm telling you, all throughout my walk with the Lord, I have been in both. I have been in plenty of moments that I could tell you right now of God's faithfulness. He was faithful here. He was faithful there. Every day I find myself thanking God for his faithfulness. I'm standing Friday night amongst 20 of my best friends as we built this church. And I'm going, God, you're so faithful. Because there were people who told us in Memphis, it ain't going to happen. They'll be back in three months. Ha! <laughs> Can't even say what I want to say, y'all. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by God's faithfulness. But listen to me. There have been plenty of moments where I was dumbfounded by his silence. 2020 was terrible for me. Not to do with sickness or anything, but some of the emotional warfare I went through with our church. And there were plenty of times where I asked God to deliver me, and he never did. I remember there was a season in my life I'd share with some of you, some of it where I was sicker than I'd ever been in my life for months and couldn't help Darla with the kids. We had just had Casey Ray. She was a baby, and I was up every night. I would sleep for a couple hours, 7 to 10, and then I'd be up all the way in the morning. My family's asleep, and I'd be in the living room by myself asking God, going, you can deliver me. I know you can. You could take it away like this. Silence. And I wish I could tell you, like, like, I can see a few reasons as I look back on why God did that. But I don't have, like, this great testimony that because of that, this happened. I don't know. I remember when we looked at a building in Smyrna, and the money took a lot less faith for this building. The move, having to move from Smyrna to Antioch, there was no faith in that because it was in Smyrna. And I, I remember everything lined up and I was like, this is God, this is God. I was telling people, this is God, it's going to happen. And I remember when God shut the door. Silence. <laughs> no, no reasoning, no explanation. This made all the sense to me, but God decided not to do it. Y'all, in that moment, I was frustrated with God. Now, it's easy to look back where we are now and go, first of all, God called us here to understand that all of the things that were restrictive for that building would not have been good for us. But I didn't know that on, at that time. 
And so what I'm trying to get you to understand is that as you commit to pursuing God for this greater in your life, there will be moments where you will praise God for his faithfulness, and there will be moments where you will be dumbfounded by his silence. But he's always in control. He always finishes what he starts. He knows that in the end, where he's getting you is the best place for you. Now watch this. I've said this one time, and as I was prepping this, I was like, this is another. Remember one time I said, what I'm about to tell you is going to shake your tree and rattle your squirrel. Y'all remember that? <laughs> Every once in a while, I get a moment of that, that if you, if you get the revelation of what I'm about to say, it'll change you forever. Watch this. Watch this. God's greater plan for you is beyond your understanding, okay? It's outside of your expectation. It's beyond what you want and what you understand. Therefore, it means that pain and disappointment are not a detour from greater. They're landmarks. Come on, give God praise for that for a second. I'm going to need more tree shaking and squirrels falling out to be. Listen, let me say it again in case you blacked out for a second, okay? Because what God wants to do in your life, greater walk with him, greater relationships, greater jobs, greater dreams, greater finances, that is outside of your understanding. You've got this idea of what greater is, but God's idea is greater than yours. So therefore, watch this. In order for you to get greater... You have to be disappointed. You have to be. Because what you thought was greater doesn't measure up to what God wants in your life. So therefore, when you experience pain or you experience disappointment, don't step back and go, oh, I must be off of the road to greater. Those things are not detours. They are landmarks. You ever been driving down a road and you're trying to figure out if you're still on the right path? and there's something you're looking for? Oh, but if I can see that one building, that one gas, if I see that one gas station, we're on the right road. Listen, I know sometimes we, we do get off of the road to greater, but I believe the Spirit of God has put inside of us those little rivet speed bump things that are on the interstate, you know what I'm talking about? When you start to drive, it's like, do 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 if you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you are reading his word and you're praying, I believe the Holy Spirit lets you know. But hear me, if you've been thinking that you have missed out on greater, that you are off the path that God has for your life because you've been experiencing setbacks or pain or disappointment, I'm telling you right now, that is not evidence that you are off the road. It is a reminder and evidence that you are on the right path. Keep trusting God. Keep relying on God. Keep pursuing God. But I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, the greater that you want, it has to be attached to disappointment. Because at some point you made up in your mind what you think God should do. And fortunately for us, God doesn't think like us. And so what he has for us has to disappoint the plan you had. But if you'll trust him and keep your sin, don't worry, you'll push through it and you'll be able to embrace the greater. Amen? All right, I gotta hurry. Not used to not having a second service to get ready for. I thought we'd just be here till lunch. So I say all that to 
didn't move us into a realm to talk about our response to greater, how you and I can respond today. I want to show you something, and then we're going to close with our actions and prayers. 2 Kings 4, verse 18. Watch this. It says the child, the child that God promised her, the child that she gave birth to, the child that grew up, her miracle from God, watch this. One day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head, my head hurts. His father then told the servant, carry him to his mother. I love that. Isn't that a dad? <laughs> Get away from me. Go talk to your mom. You're bothering me. After the servant had lifted him up, carried him to his mother. Father, thank you for your word. That is alive. And bringing life to our mortal bodies, Father. The boy sat on her lap until noon. And then he died. Spirit of God is saying to you right now, you're in this room and you just assumed it was dead. It's been in your lap and it's dead. Not with the God I serve. I ain't even got to the good part yet. So then he died. She went up and she laid, on, laid him on the bed of the man of God. And then she shut the door and she went out. So, Troy, why is that relevant? Why does that matter? Watch. In that culture, when somebody passed away, there was a whole process you went through in prepping them for their funeral. So, as this boy died in her lap, the correct protocol would have been, he's dead, let's now start the mourning process. Let's start the process of his funeral Let's start moving forward in the idea of wrapping our mind around the fact that we have lost our child and that it's over. Instead, she went up to the room that she built for Elijah. She laid him on Elijah's bed, and then she went and got Elijah. She closed the door, and the Bible says she took off to Elijah. People were trying to stop her. Is everything okay? She was like, get out of my way. I ain't got no time for you. She went straight up to Elijah, and then the Bible says that Elijah comes, lays on him, and the boy is resurrected. Now, what does it mean for you? Here's what it means for you. That woman had a choice. God had promised her greater, and she had a choice. She could either prepare for a funeral, or she could prepare for a resurrection. That was her choice. That was her response to greater. Everyone in this room, you have an opportunity this morning to respond to God's greater plan for your life, and you can choose one or two options. You can either start preparing for a funeral. Well, I guess it's over. I guess it's never going to happen. Let's start prepping and mourning and moving on. Or you can prepare for God to do a resurrection. Do me a favor. Stand in this place with me. couple more thoughts for you before we pray. I wrote these things down. First of all, most of us give up too soon on the greater life that God has for us. But with God, listen to me, with God, nothing in your life is beyond resurrection. Amen. This is who our God is. I don't care what you've been told. I don't care what doctors told you. I don't care what counselors told you. 
I don't care what your mom and daddy told you. I don't care what your spouse told you. I don't care what your kids told you. I don't care what your friends told you. I don't care what past experiences told you. We serve a God who is in the resurrecting business. It's what he does. It's who he is. And so there is nothing in your life that is beyond the ability of resurrection. And then watch this. God's greater vision for your life. This is my favorite part. It's not a formula. It's a promise. It's not a formula that you get to go, well, did I do it right? I don't know sure if I behaved correctly. It's, it's a promise. So here's what I want to ask you to do. You got your cards? Everybody got your cards? Got your cards? There are pens and chairs. You brought pens. If you don't have a pen, you need one. Raise your hand. Our, our First Impressions team, they're going to be able to get pens. Just raise your hand if you need one. But there are pens and chairs. We don't have a second service, so after you use that pen, just put it back, and we'll fix it for next Sunday. But if you need a pen, I don't want it. you. Look, you better not walk out of here going, I didn't have a pen. You got a pen? Everybody got a pen? I will send Christina through here. She will handcuff everybody in here until you got a pen. All right, what I'm about to ask you to do, worship team, go ahead and come up here, come up here. I'm going to ask you in a moment to close your eyes, and we're going to pray. And you're asking the Spirit of God. Some of you, you already know, but you're asking the Spirit of God to move on your heart. And what is it that you're asking for this year? There's a lot of people in this room, and it's going to be very different for everybody. So I'm not going to try to give examples, or I don't want to put you in a box. I want the Spirit of God to do it. And then after you write it, now, baby, you help me real quick. You put those buckets right down. We're going to have a bucket over here and a bucket over here by the other aisle. And after you write it, you're going to get out of your seat. You're going to come down. You're going to put that card in this bucket. And then you're going to turn around and go back to your seat. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time in worship. Everybody understand? All right, I'm going to say it again because some people just started paying attention. You're going to write in that card what you're asking God to do in your life in 2024. This is your opportunity to respond. It's either a funeral or it's a resurrection. Write it on that card. When you get done writing it, we're going to be in a moment of prayer at that time, moment of worship. As you're done writing, I do encourage you to spend a second and pray. And then come and put that card in this bucket and then go back to your seat. And let's just worship God for a moment. Can we do that? Start writing right now. Father, I pray as people are writing in this room, that they would understand that you are a second kings for God. For the individual in here who's worried about being comfortable, that this would be the moment, Father. This would be the moment where you're pushing them past comfort and believing for greater things, things beyond their understanding and beyond their ability. Father, for the person who's worried about being let down because prayers weren't answered before, situations didn't happen before, and so they're questioning your faithfulness, they're questioning your ability. Father, they'd be reminded that you are a good, good father, and that if things aren't good, you're not done. That you begin to move on the hearts of everybody in this room of what it is, what it is, Father, that we're asking from you some people in this room right now, Father, they want a greater relationship with you. They want greater revelation, greater intimacy. There's people in this room, Father, that are in a relationship. 
Lord, in that relationship, they're looking for improvement, for greatness, for marriages, Father, that have felt stagnant, that have gone the opposite way, Father. They're asking for greater marriages, for greater finances, for a greater vision, greater dreams. There are people in here, you've put a dream on their heart. And for that dream, they're going to have to get uncomfortable. They're going to have to risk let down. Oh, Holy Spirit, like only you can do, pray you would move throughout this room and speak to every person in this room. For moms, for dads, for kids, for husbands, for wives, for those that are single, those that have been divorced. Father, greater. Those who have lost family members. Those who are worried about losing family members. Father, greater, greater. writing your card. Come down. You may have already been coming down. Sorry, my eyes were closed, but if you're done writing, come down. Put it right here. Bucket here. Bucket here. Elijah fixing to ask for this resurrection people are stopping her everything okay she's everything's fine there's a sense of attitude where she knows that even though she's in dire need of a resurrection God's good there's something in her watch this that gets to stand on this you did a miracle once right he's a miracle in himself so you did a miracle once, so I can trust you again. So here's what I want to do. I want us to put an exclamation point on what we just asked for by a moment of praise and worship. Can we do that? So with this song, Gratitude, close your eyes right now. We're just going to spend a moment thanking God for who he is. We're going to throw up our hands. We're going to thank him for all that he's done, all that he is. He was faithful yesterday. He'll be faithful today and tomorrow. He is a good, good God. Come on, begin to worship him in this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.